This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. I'm going to invite you to turn your Bibles first this morning to John chapter 14. We've been teaching a series on miracles for, uh, well, quite a while. I don't really know how long we've been going um, on this subject. But uh, this morning I want to, uh, to talk to you about miracles in the church. We've talked a lot about Jesus. We've talked a lot about uh, the miracles of the Old Testament. We've talked a lot about things that God has done in times past. But I want to talk to you about God's plan for miracles in the church. John chapter 14, Jesus said in verse uh, 12, speaking to his disciples on the last night that he was with them, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, or another way to say that, another translation is he that believeth in my name. He's talking about being saved. He's not talking about special ones. He's not talking about somebody that's got a special anointing. He's not talking about some special faith. He's talking about those that are uh, in the church family, those that make Jesus the Lord of their lives. He said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me or on my name, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever you shall ask, to call for, require, demand, is what the word ask means. In my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now, we saw Jesus raise the dead. We saw Jesus walk on the water. We saw Jesus multiply loaves and fishes. We saw Jesus calm the storm. Uh, we saw Jesus heal every manner of sickness and every manner of disease among the people. We saw him cast out evil spirits with his word. So what does he mean when he says, the works that I do shall he do also? When Jesus said, verily, 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 verily means truly, truly. Whenever he says that twice, he's trying to emphasize the point. He said, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me or believeth in my name. We could say it this way uh, in modern vernacular in the church terminology. We could say he that is saved. He that is saved, the works that I do shall he do also. And even greater works than these shall he do because I go unto my Father. So what does Jesus, the Son of God, intend for the church to do? Everything he did and more. Everything he did and more. Jesus intended. Now, the Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So this is what Jesus, if the Bible's true, if what, this is what Jesus wanted when he was here on the earth, it's what he wants now. Jesus said everything that he said was of the Father. So this is the same thing as Jesus saying, here's what the Father wants. He wants the ones that believe in my name, the ones that are saved. He wants them to do the same works as me and even greater works. And the way you do them is you use my name. Well, the Bible says God never changes. In fact, God says specifically, I'm God, I change not. Now, I know the church has changed him. But God said he never changes. So if Jesus is speaking the will of the Father... When he says, I expect, intend, and desire for the church to do the same works, same healing miracles, the same, uh, using the same authority over the devil and so forth, the same works that I did, shall he do, and even greater works than these shall he do because I go unto my Father. If Jesus is saying, I desire, I intend for the church to do the same miracles as me and even greater ones. If he's saying, I'm speaking for the Father, and he says, I intend for the church to do the same works miracles and so forth and even greater ones because i'm going to him then what does god want today he wants the church to do the same works and the same miracles as jesus did so what happens well jesus goes to the cross turn with me over to john chapter 20 jesus goes to the cross and he's raised from the dead the disciples are distraught because now they don't know what to do 
They were planning to follow Jesus forever, and now he's died. He told them that he'd be raised again from the dead, but they didn't believe it, and I, I, I really can't throw rocks at them for that. That would be hard to accept. But three days after Jesus is, uh, is crucified, the day of his resurrection, the evening of his re- resurrection, really, verse 19 in John chapter 20, then the same day at evening being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Notice this is not a bold group. This is not a brave crowd. They're assembled, hiding, because they're afraid that the same ones that killed Jesus are coming for them next. Came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw, what's the next thing? The Lord. Now, folks, remember that Romans chapter 10 tells us how to be saved. It says it's two parts. If you believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, is that qualification met in their case? They see it. No question they believe he's raised from the dead. The second thing is, if you believe Jesus is raised from the dead, believe in your heart that Jesus is raised from the dead. The second thing is, and then you confess him as your Lord, you'll be saved. Now, what do they identify or who do they identify Jesus as according to the Holy Ghost? The Lord. They're meeting the qualifications for salvation. And then it says, Jesus said unto them again, verse 21, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Now, folks, we've got, let's just be honest here. If Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive something, and they didn't get something, then he lied to them. If Jesus told a lie, that means he's not the, 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 the Holy One that the Bible says that he is. The Bible indicates that Jesus, while he was here on the earth, was without sin. Certainly he's been without sin ever since. So he can't be lying to them, right? So when he breathes on and says, receive the Holy Ghost, something has to happen. They have to receive the Holy Ghost, if that's what Jesus said receive. He said, receive the Holy Ghost. Now, notice the context that the Holy Ghost came upon them or that they received the Holy Ghost. Jesus said in verse 23, whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. Jesus is saying, receive the Holy Ghost concerning the remission of sins. Is that not salvation? Is that not the new birth? Were these disciples that Jesus appeared to not born again at this, at this place? Well, according to the, the other gospels, they were. Because the Bible says there was a change that took place in them. The last couple of verses of, the, of Luke's gospel said they returned to Jerusalem and were openly in the temple, not hiding because of the Jews anymore. They're openly in the temple. They were filled with joy and they were openly in the temple, worshiping and praising God. They're not hiding. Something has changed on the inside of them. Something has changed to cause them to realize this is a different day than it was when we were hiding out from the Jews last week or whenever something happened well isn't that what the bible says takes place at the new birth doesn't the bible say that one of the first things that happens when we're born again is the love of god fills our hearts and the joy of the lord lifts us up they're showing outward signs in their life according to the record that we have by the holy ghost they're showing outward signs that something has happened on the inside of them 
Now turn with me over to Acts chapter 1. Jesus, after he's been with them for a while, is caught up into heaven. But before he goes, he tells them something in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. It says, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Now, didn't he already say in John chapter 20, receive the Holy Ghost? But now he's saying there's another work of the Holy Ghost. Not a different Holy Ghost, just another work of the Holy Ghost. Same Holy Ghost, two different works. The one work, the first work, is the work of salvation. It's that which causes us to be born again. Remember, Jesus said, talking to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, you must be born again. That's what happened in John chapter 20. That's why their lives changed. That's why their activity, their, their outward uh, appearance and their, their, their actions changed. Something changed on the inside of them. But now, after they're saved, after they're born again, after they've got the, the life of God on the inside of them through the, through the Holy Ghost, now that they are, their sins have been remitted, now that heaven is their home, he says, but... That's not the end of it. Salvation's not the end of it. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. They've already got the Holy Ghost in them. Now they need the Holy Ghost on them. And folks, that's exactly the way that it was with Jesus. He was born of a virgin. He was born because the Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary. He was born with the life of God on the inside of them. That's the equivalent of what we know of as the new birth. It's the life of God. But Jesus never did a work. He never did a miracle. He never did some great sign or wonder or anything else until after the Holy Ghost came upon him when he was baptized by John in the Jordan River. So Jesus is saying, you're supposed to do it like I did. it. Now that you're saved, wait for the power of the Holy Ghost to come upon you. The power, you shall receive power if the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and into the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received them out of their sight. I like the fact that that's the last thing Jesus said before he took off. I love the way John Osteen used to say this. He has already commissioned them, go into all the world and preach the gospel. But wait till you receive the Holy Ghost. John Osteen used to say, Jesus is telling them, don't even think about having church without the power of the Holy Ghost. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Now, whatever somebody, you or me or somebody else might think of why Jesus healed the sick, Matthew 8, 17 tells us why he healed everybody that was sick. Jesus healed all that were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bear our sicknesses. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. So Jesus is taken up from their sight. Acts chapter 2. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. What does one accord mean? Other translations translate it this way, one heart and one mind. What are they one heart and one mind about? Waiting for the Holy Ghost. Waiting for the pouring out or the outpouring 
of the Holy Ghost, waiting for the Holy Ghost to come upon them. That's the only thing they're waiting. Jesus said, wait, tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. That's the only thing they're waiting for. That's the only direction they've been given. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Why are they not going into all the world and preaching the gospel? Because Jesus said, before you go, get the power of the Holy Ghost. And you're going to get that in Jerusalem. Wait for the power to come upon you. Thank God we don't have to wait anymore. He's been poured out. But he's waiting. they're waiting for him to be poured out initially. So it says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled. Everybody say all. Nobody's left out. There's 120 of them in here. Nobody's left out. What if there had been a 1,000 of them? They would have been all filled. Why? Because everybody that's waiting with the same heart and the same mind for the same outpouring of the Holy Ghost would have received because they're waiting in faith. All they're waiting for, all they need is the Holy Ghost to be poured out for the time to come. Well, thank God the time has already come for us. We don't have to wait. We can receive any time. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. How do we know they were filled? They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, this spilled out into the street, and everybody came running together. It was during the Feast of the Pentecost, and so everybody comes together. Here's these guys speaking in different languages. Many of them were from different places, and so they heard them speak in their own languages. Uh, By the way, the Bible doesn't say they spoke their languages. It says they heard them speak. So there's two possibilities. Either God is giving them uh, the, the supernatural ability to speak in languages that they don't know that other men do know, or the miracle that's being taken place is not in their tongues but in the ears of the hearer. could go either way and so it says peter stands up and tries to explain what's going on and he says beginning in verse 16 he said but this is that which was spoken by the prophet joel and it shall come to pass in the last days i will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams and on my servants and on my handmaidens i will pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Now, I want you to put two phrases together. Peter is saying in verse 17, this is what Joel said. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Compare that with verse 2. And they were all filled with the spirit. And I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and they were all filled with the spirit. And I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and they were all filled with the spirit. If we stop right there and say, to this point, to the day of Pentecost, what is God's plan for mankind? To be saved and to be filled with the Spirit. To say anything otherwise would be to take away from what the Bible says. God's intent, as shown by the work of the Holy Ghost, is for man to be saved. Well, how many men? God wants everybody to be saved. It's the will of God for all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God wants everybody to be saved. And according to Joel's prophecy, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And they were all filled with the spirit and began to speak with other tongues. What is God's plan for mankind? To be saved and to be filled with the spirit and speak with other tongues. That's God's plan for everybody. Well, why isn't everybody saved and filled with the spirit? Because not everybody believes what the Bible says. Some people believe what the Bible says about being saved, but they don't believe what the Bible says about being filled with the Spirit. 
Now, when Peter preaches this, the people in Jerusalem, the crowd that's gathered together, and it's thousands of people, the crowd that's gathered together says, wow, what are we supposed to do? Said to Peter and the other apostles, men and brethren, what are we to do? Verse um, 38, Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So what is Peter telling them by the Holy Spirit, who's giving him the words to preach to the crowd? What does Peter say that God's plan for the world is? To repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. What does that mean in modern terminology? Get saved. And. And means something else, doesn't it? And means something in addition to. So he says, here's God's plan for the world. To be saved and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, is that not exactly the same process that they've just undergone? John chapter 20, Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Ghost for the remission of sins. And then they waited in Jerusalem until the Holy Ghost was poured out. And they were all filled and began to speak with other tongues. Now, what happens? Well, Acts chapter 2 goes on to say... In verse uh, 41, it says, And they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. This word baptized may or may not mean water baptism. Normally when we see the word baptized or baptized or some form of the word, we automatically think of water baptism. It's not always the case. The, in in uh, Water baptism is just an outward sign of something that's already taken place on the inside of, of your heart. So baptized literally means to come into Christ. Now, they may have been water baptized. It's hard for me to think that there were 3,000 people that were baptized in one day, water baptized in one day. I don't think it's talking about water baptism. I think it's talking about entering into the family of God. But I know water baptism is such an important doctrine for so many people. If they, if they want to accept that and, and interpret it that way, that's okay with me. I really don't care. The important thing is 3,000 people got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. Because that's what Peter just told them to do. And they continued, verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, 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 teaching. Can I ask you a question? What do the apostles know? They continued steadfastly in the apostles' teaching. What are the apostles teaching them? Whatever they're teaching them, they're getting hot off the press from the Holy Ghost. Because besides that, the only thing they can say is, well, <laughs> when we were Jesus, this happened. And then when we were with Jesus on another day, this happened. And then when we were with Jesus on another day, this happened. What do they know? Hardly anything. But they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, their teaching. What are the apostles teaching? Well, one thing that we do know that they know is they know that God's plan for the world is to be saved, to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And God's plan for the church is to do the same works that Jesus did and even greater works. They're unified on that. They're continuing steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They all know the same thing. They all believe what they're told. You don't have anybody standing up and saying, well, I don't know about that miracle stuff. Well, I'm not sure healing is for everybody. They're continuing steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They're of one heart and one mind in that, in that regard. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread. That just simply means that uh, it shows action on their part to separate themselves from the world, to join together with other believers and to separate themselves from the world. Now, notice the next thing it says they continued steadfastly in and in prayers. 
what in the world are they praying? Well, let's see what happens and see if we can identify it. And fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Now, the word fear here means respect. I think it would be better translated if we say, and awe or wonder came upon all the people. They're not afraid of God. But there's something that's causing them to be in awe of God and his power. Well, what is that? It says many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. In other words, in the babyhood stage of Christianity, in the beginning days of the church, and I don't know how long these days last. Here's the Holy Ghost inspiring Luke to tell us about these things. The Holy Ghost seems to have a direct affection for these days when he was able to move. Because he speaks of them in 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 a very loving way, it seems to me, very loving tone. And so here's the Holy Ghost saying everybody was in unity where doctrine was concerned. They joined together to themselves in fellowship and breaking of bread, separating themselves from the world, and they continued in prayer. Acts chapter 3, the great miracle is done in the beautiful gate of the temple. Crippled man is healed. Peter and John stand up, tell everybody, wait a minute, this is not us. It's not by our own power, our own holiness, which is what the doctrine of men say is the reason why this took place. The apostles were special. They had special power. They had a special place with God. That's the one thing that Peter said we don't have. It's not by our own power or our own holiness that this man is made whole, but by the name of Jesus, through faith in his name. Well, the Jewish council comes and takes hold of them, wants to know what all the uproar is about. Acts chapter 4, it says, How be it many of them which heard the word, that's Peter's preaching about what happened in the name of Jesus, many of them that heard the word believed, and the number of them, number of the men was about 5,000. So now the church is 8,120 people. Two main events, church of 8,000 people. The Jews call them into question, ask them, what are they doing? What authority or what name have you done this healing work in? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, verse 8, said, in other words, here's the Holy Ghost. This is the way this is working. The Holy Ghost has given them the words to say as they need to say them. Must be the same way that they're teaching the people. Tells them about Jesus, whom they crucified, whose God has raised from the dead, and so forth. Then they're threatened and commanded not to preach or teach anymore in the name of Jesus by the council. Same ones who crucified Jesus say, you guys better cut this out. So what do they do? They run back to their hiding place. Now it says in verse 24, and when they heard that, or verse 23, and being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they who? their own company. Now, I don't know how many people are together, but just as it said in the previous chapter, uh, chapter two, I guess it was, where they're continually, continued steadfast in doctrine and in fellowship and breaking of bread from house to house and in prayers. They're gathered together as much as they can possibly be. And so they go to one of these houses, one of these places, one of these gathering places where everybody, or as many people as can get together, are together. I don't know how many people are there. I don't know if it's 50 people. I don't know if it's 20 people. I don't know how many people it is. But the Holy Ghost is the one that's authoring this book through Luke. So notice what the Holy Ghost tells us about what happens. In other words, here's God's perspective on what happened next. Here's God's account on what happened next. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. Now, I want to stop you right there and ask you a question. Who's leading this prayer? 
It just said they lifted up their voice to God with one accord, with one heart and one mind and one soul, one intent, one purpose. How is it that they're all saying the same thing? Did Peter say, now when I was in jail, I wrote out a prayer and I made copies. So everybody take a copy or look on with your neighbor and let's all say this together. Here, this would have been the church's first responsive reading. Is that what's happening? No. It's God's perspective on what they're praying, and they're all praying together, so they've got to be praying in other tongues. And here's what God heard. Here's the utterance that the Holy Ghost gave them, the interpretation of the utterance that the Holy Ghost gave them to speak in other tongues. Good thing they know how to pray. Baby Christians. We're not talking about spiritual giants. We're not talking about a spiritually mature church. Nobody was spiritually mature, including the apostles. They've been born again about a month longer than these guys have. Six weeks, I guess. Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ for of a truth against thy holy child Jesus whom thou hast anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and thy people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. Stop right there and think for a minute. Isn't it fascinating that the Holy Ghost would give them utterance to say that? I mean, they haven't even gotten to asking anything. Now, they got a lot to be afraid of if they're going to get in fear. A lot. Because the same ones that crucified Jesus, the same ones that, that imprisoned Jesus, took him, beat him, and crucified him, talked the Romans into crucifying him, the same ones, they've sh obviously shown their power, political power at least, to have somebody crucified, have now threatened these same disciples said, you better stop preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus or else. They know what or else could mean. It could mean imprisonment. It could, bring, it could mean death. And so they start praying. And notice what the Holy Ghost gives them to pray. Lord, you're God. You're at work in all of this stuff. You were at work in the crucifixion of Jesus. Even inherited in Pontius Pilate's attitudes and their actions in this. You put them in place to do exactly what you intended to be done so that redemption be, could be accomplished through Jesus' sacrifice. But wouldn't it be great to find out that all the time that we were here on the earth thinking, well, is God hearing me? Is God doing anything? Here's what the Holy Ghost was having us pray in other times. Folks, I'm trying to get you to take to not take for granted the exceeding greatness of the power of the Holy Ghost that's at work in you. We speak in tongues and think, well, okay, don't know if that did any good or not, and fail to recognize that God is speaking life-changing words through us when we speak in other tongues. God's Word is the answer for every problem we'll face in this life. What a privilege it is to believe God and to walk by faith. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. 
This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. So let me encourage you. Start praying this. Lord, give me a want for the things of God. Give me a desire for the things of God. Give me a desire for the things of the Lord. Give me a desire for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.